This is Foreign Founders, a Chibit podcast. Welcome to Foreign Founders, where we explore the st- stories of builders, entrepreneurs, and creators from all over the world. What's unique about these founders is that they took their dream and took the ultimate leap to build in a place where they may not have their strongest network. Today, my conversation is with Maximo, founder of Maximal. Maximal is giving the power back to the artists by challenging the status quo and creating the first AR-powered music social platform. I'm excited to share Maximo's story. Thank you for joining the show. I would love to learn more about who you are, um, if you want to uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Absolutely. Uh, Well, my name is Maximo. Uh, I'm an independent musician, ASCAP member. Uh, peanut butter lover, <laughs> uh, <laughs> proud immigrant from Mexico, uh, and now CEO and founder of Maximo. Amazing. Uh, and so where <laughs> in Mexico did you grow up? Where were you born and raised in? I was born and raised in Mexico City, which is another concrete jungle, just like New York. <laughs> yep. Uh, 1991. I can complain I had a, a, a you know, a, a decent life growing up. Like, I can say that I, I come from the the nitty parts of the city but you know day by day I, I just have uh, my dad I lost my mom when I was four so it was just me my dad and my sister for a period of time um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a country that's so diverse in culture food and, and, and art so I grew up with a great great uh, map of beautiful things and people and music specifically that captivated me early on um listening to mariachi in the streets you know if you ever guys been to mexico you know there's music everywhere no matter what you do and <laughs> so i was lucky enough to grow up with that and you know discover it as a way for me to you know as an outlet for everything that happened in my life i learned how to write how to play discover something that i wanted to do not just for fun but as a career and that's what i pursued and uh were people in your family also artistic no. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, yeah, the my dad is a lawyer. Only... My sister does like marketing. Like not of my uncle's family does that. Probably my mom's side a little bit. But uh, again, I didn't knew that part that much. But So did you start exploring um, the uh, like art medium? How, how did that start? How did you start playing music or um, doing other, other sorts of art? Well, growing up, like my grandfather, my grandma's, my mom's dad. He, he did have a piano who never used. And probably that's the one we used to like play around with and, and, and all that. And again, just growing up in Mexico, you see music music being played everywhere. I don't know if you've seen this movie, Coco. Yeah. I mean, pretty much that, <laughs> Love but, that like, movie. But, but a hundred times, you know, and, and I really like connect with that character because that was me really. And um, mm-hmm. just trying to do something different than what your family does. And, and music, I think, is a universal language. And in Mexico, at least, is something that is so uh, intertwined in the culture. You know, we mm-hmm. do a lot of things, either like parties, we all dance, we all, you know, music is everywhere. So just be able to bring that up and to my life was what's important. Like, my dad gave me my first guitar when I was like 12, 13. I mean, I discovered like mariachi music, which is the thing that I grew up with. <laughs> I don't yeah. play mariachi music, it's so hard, but. Um, <laughs> That's the thing that my dad hear, like, that's the thing you hear in the car or, or like Spanish music. Back in the day, like, international radio wasn't, like, English music wasn't that popular when I was growing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was, like, one station who played, like, all these songs, but uh, 
it wasn't that easy to to get hold on to like you know billboard records and, and all that so yeah. spanish rock uh, i grew up when the boom of mexican rock was happening so my sister was feeding me all this stuff of like new bands that were coming up from mexico and latin america like spanish rock yeah what are of some course, of the bands that people know well, there's one, probably the biggest one is called Jaguares or the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, was the first Mexican band to fill up a stadium, like a, like a hundred thousand stadium that actually, uh, like Michael Jackson filled up twice, but like this band filled up again, like, like two or three times too. Okay. So there's another band called Mana, which is very popular growing up. Uh, I can go on and on. Like my favorite band is called Guillotina, which is, uh, like Guillotine. As an yeah. band. They're going to go on my Spotify after this. Oh, you have to. I mean, <laughs> what's funny is that that band, Guillotine, the lead singer and guitarist, became my teacher after music school. Oh, no way. It was funny because I, I mean, was going to music school in the subway and I saw him in the train and I was a big fan. So I asked for my autograph. So he gave me the autograph and then we get off in the same station and he turned out to be my teacher. Like uh, he, he was going to my classroom small world so, so it was it was a great experience to this day I, I still have contact with him and yeah and and, and it's amazing and so it sounds like you um pursued music uh through school as well can you yeah. tell, talk to me about that your like early early music career and um the first songs that you were yeah, uh, well, writing think, and releasing i think it was tricky at the beginning to like embrace wanted to be a musician for my background, probably my dad was a lawyer and probably he wanted me to follow that route. And at the same time, I was, I was very insecure growing up, right? So mm-hmm. I always felt like to pursue this, you have to be really self-centered or have a lot of, you know, uh, security and, and comfort of who you are. And I wasn't there because I was dealing mm-hmm. with also issues of, you know, identifying my sexuality, who I was, dealing with a lot of issues of that nature. So I kind of went for the bed. Uh, side of things and I actually went to film school for a year mm-hmm. uh, so in the audio department I thought oh it's still music related but you know it's more safe quote unquote uh, but I hated it it was it was horrible because the problem with being an audio guy in a, in, a, in the film project and or the film world is that you don't get to decide the creative side a lot you follow what the director wants or the producer wants and you don't have a say as much so after a year, I, I quit. And then I went to G. Martel, this music school that like definitely rocked my world. It was kind of like a fame school. Like you enter and everybody's singing, everybody's playing. <laughs> <laughs> and you fit in from other people's creativity. And in Mexico, like yeah. everybody is super talented. Like uh, people already came playing five instruments and, you know, all this stuff. And it was yeah. challenging and humbling and, and cool. And I, I imagine in Mexico City, it's almost like that. The pool <laughs> is similar to New York City, where people from all over just Definitely. come to Mexico City. I mean, so I have my best friends from, from Venezuela. She came from all this and, and people yeah. from like South America. And, and, and it was it was cool. It's not as diverse as New York, but you can still feel that kind of vibe. And, and people from all over the country, too, like because, you know, the biggest city is Mexico City. We don't have a lot of big cities like the States does. Yeah. So everybody comes to the city and, and tries it out. And what came first, um, creating Maxima or be coming to New York city? What was the journey uh, after oh, first, film school? First, I school. had the opportunity to work in a dance company called Lava in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. 
which gave me the opportunity to come to New York. And, and it was very random. I mean, I, I had the opportunity and I took it, <laughs> like not having much. I decided, okay, let's do it. Uh, probably just my guitar, bag of dreams, a few dollars I had, and, you know, figuring it out. I think, I think probably like many immigrants, they can relate with this. this is how we, we start in, in, a, in a will to, in determination to make things happen for you and for your future and what you want to do. Yeah. Um, of course, the challenges of being an immigrant or having probably the network of people or the money and, and the job to you know, sustain, you have to like really find ways and get resourceful and, you know, survive. Cause I mean, that's life. Um, and then, well, I decided to start making my own music, record my own music as, as a solo yeah. artist. Uh, I decided to go the independent route because I was lucky enough to be in a time where like it's easier to release your own music without having to depend on a label or all these big companies that, you know, take advantage of you and still though, but you know, it's different. Yeah. Obviously it's more challenging because you don't have a big network of people and, and all this, but now looking back, I'm really uh, happy I didn't took that route of going after labels and all that because I have more control and I can build cool things like my company now. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a lot of the through through line of your journey is um being able to express in a like a free way whether that's coming from music or you were in film school but you were like working uh you know based on other people's input so you didn't like it as much and then now with your dance career and the music career who got you um brought you to the uh, the u.s especially new york city um seems like a lot of that leads to naturally leads to Maximal. So can you tell me a little bit more about Maximal and what you, um, what you're doing, yeah. what you're building? Well, uh, as you know, the pandemic really disturbed and killed the music industry in many ways. Yeah. Uh, I want to say you that tell a little bit more about what those different ways would be for people who are not yeah, like definitely. familiar. Like, uh, I- I'm going to tell you my experience as an independent artist, like, I don't want to say I was going up, but I had my first album release. I was, uh, I became an ASCAP member. I, I was getting sponsorship. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with City Baby, like the biggest distributor of independent music. And I had things planned. Like I was going to start touring a little bit from Texas to New York, like national touring and start building up my audience and, and promoting my work. And, you know, the pandemic happened and there was something nobody could tell how bad it was going to be, right? Because nobody knew. Um, overnight, like my income, my, my work, my plans kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And again, well, I had to figure out a way to survive. So, uh, I learned tools, you know, I had the fortune to have mentorship. Uh, one of the mentors I, I love and I still have is Simon Tam. Um, uh, he is a member of a band called The Slants. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with them? They're a super cool band that... Uh, took uh, a case to the Supreme Court to be able to trademark their name. Mm. Uh, so it's a pretty cool case. And he was just an amazing friend, supporter, and mentor. And uh, that can help me to keep building my fan base and, and keep momentum on my work during the pandemic. And, and then I, I keep thinking, okay, what am I going to do after this finishes, right? Do I keep going the path of struggle independent artists or do I figure out a way to like not just build something better for me as an artist and my career and but also for other artists who probably had it worse than me right they couldn't have the mentors I have the opportunities I have and probably are struggling to 
to actually have the dream, which is not really uh, sometimes fame and fortune. A lot of artists think that's the goal, but sometimes the goal is just to be able to live from your work, and, you know, do the what you love, love, and have control of your, your work, and, and that's a real dream. So uh, that led me to like, okay, why don't I build a company that actually cares about that? And I saw a lot of problems in the industry, in my experience, like from quality of music to what kind of artists were supported and what kind of artists were rejected and the talent that was, you know, wasted because, you know, labels and companies care a lot more about data and, you know, these kind of things that are not really uh, real talent and real musicianship, and things that I've seen growing up that I saw at school that, I, that I've seen in New York because there's a lot of talent wasted here. So that passion to make a change or an impact in a way kind of drove me towards that path. I don't want to say put my music in hold because it's pretty much part of the, the whole company, but to redirect everything to build something cool for me and other artists. That's what I want to do with my company. And also, you know, build a, a cool platform that allows music and great music to be discovered easier. Because right now there's over 100,000 songs uploaded every day to streaming platforms. So great music and great artists are just diluted. They're hard to find. And fans and, and, and artists end up, you know, doing the same kind of music and hearing the same artists and, you know, all this talent is wasted because it's so hard to find. Yeah. And how do you uh, imagine a better way to find artists and new music? Well, I think they had to be filters in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. I think back in the day, labels were really good at putting filters and, you know, decide what songs were good, what artists were actually talented, you know. And, and even though it was a long process, it, it actually, you know, came up with like great artists that we know and, and songs that we know now. Um, now, because everybody can just put that music up, regardless of quality, I think uh, there's no filter to say, okay, this is great. We can support this and let's promote it and make sure that, you know, it's, it adds value to it. That would be one. But also probably a new way to discover music. I really believe the industry is going uh, interactive, either VR or AR. And I'm betting for AR, I think, uh, really giving a, a chance to to uh, this technology to allow music to be discovered differently. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a cool way for, for fans also to like find great music yeah. and support artists directly too. Do you think um, the interactivity of music and finding new music is super fascinating? Um, it's almost like the TikTok duets now that can happen. Yeah. And that's yeah, how think, people find music. Um, and I think music. even more cool, like let's say right now, the, the experience of discovering music is very plain. Like let's say I tell you, hey, here's my new song. You either go to Spotify or listen to it or not, right? There's no experience behind it. But if I tell you, here's my new song, go find it in... in in the real world and you navigate the city streets and with AR content and you actually discover the music and in a new way, either AR lyric video or AR uh, content that the artist curated and created for this release. Yeah. It changes how the fan interacts with the music and discovers the music and wants to hear more about this artist. Yeah. And how did you come up with um, AR as an important component? Um, to your business? Well, I've been, uh, I read a lot about the music industry and what is going. Yeah. Uh, 
for the last two years, probably the industry shifted a lot towards the metaverse, you know, mm-hmm. uh, VR and, and all that. But to me, it was the, okay, it's cool, but it feels kind of like a game, right? It's tailored for gamers. Yeah. And then when I ask like market research, I ask my fan base or I ask uh, regular uh, customers, re- regular fan or listeners, like if they were into all that, they were like, what's the point, right? Like I had to have a headset, I had to join this platform, like and now with crypto, like get a wallet. So it gets too confusing. Yeah. And I come across Niantic who develop Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. And they last year, they released uh, the RDK platform to allow developers and, and companies to develop on top of their technology and do all the mapping they, they made and, and all that to make it easier to develop AR content in the real world, not just in the computer or on the phone. So that just clicks. Like, hey, this in music discovery, that's just a great uh, way to do a, a new way for artists to be found. And for or artists who already established themselves, uh, release new content, probably all demos, or connect with their fans directly. And I see the opportunities as endless for, for, for this opportunity, this new way of doing and promoting music. Because yeah. uh, even TikTok now, like it's, the market is so diluted, even though it's easier to find artists, like the market is so diluted now. How does it make AR really easy for like the artists to use and engage with? And, and is it as easy as uploading uh, like a PNG or JPEG or a video thanks file? For, yeah, thanks to the, uh, the Niantic technology, it's super easier. Now, uh, it does need to be uh, built with Unity, but still... Is the 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 opportunities and and options are endless because it depends on your creativity and how uh, easy you want to make it or how complicated you want to make it, and, and that's the cool part about it. It really is. And Unity, Unity is a gaming engine that you have to so you have to build these assets in Unity and then, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's super easy. It's not yeah. like super complicated either. Yeah, and the idea is to support great artists, and I think my company will help artists who want to release cool content to develop it in a cool way for their releases. Yeah. Discoverability is a huge thing with a lot of different things from companies, startups to artists. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think what we want to add is, is value to the user. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, like the user gives away a lot of data to these streaming companies. Right. Mm -hmm. And what do, do we get in exchange? Probably just a recap of, to listening habits at the end of the year, and that's pretty much all you get from all your data. Right. So the idea is to use their user data to 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 reward the artist. Let's say every time reward the fan. Every time you listen to my song, uh, you get I don't know how many points that you can exchange for probably experiences with me, the artist directly, or with other fans, or or t-shirt, tickets, or merch. You know, I think the opportunities are big for the for the fan to have value in their data yeah. and, and what they do with, with their streaming uh, data. Um, that, that's amazing. I would love to learn more about how your upbringing, um, you know, you, you went through um, a lot growing up and a lot of different experiences. And you mentioned about the, um, you know, you were pulled into diversity and like different identities that you had. How did all of that experience lead to you being um, like a better entrepreneur? Definitely 
I mean, growing up, realizing that I'm, I'm a gay man, that's definitely a, a huge part of my identity. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a, in a country that probably back in the day, like extremely Catholic, extremely conservative in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad itself still doesn't get it. <laughs> and realizing how important it is to be who you are. That's, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the main thing is celebrate who you are, right? Sometimes we forget about all that, how important it is to celebrate who we are. I just accept it. And that comes with accepting and celebrating that some of us are tall, some of us are short, some of us are uh, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. Uh, I think I didn't realize how important it was until I came to New York. Because Mexico, as big as the city is, is not as diverse as New York. And realizing how beautiful it is to have so many languages and so many types of people and learning from all of that. I think sometimes uh, Americans who were born here, they take that for granted, right? And they just, I don't know, maybe it's my point of view. Um, So finding that and definitely finding different kinds of people who enrich my life in many ways, like this company I was working, Lava, uh, it's a feminist company, right? It's all females and I was the only guy there (laughs) for a while. And I don't know, I had the experience to get to meet different parts of life. And I realized that made me a better person. Because I became more empathetic with everyone else, right? I don't judge anymore based on looks or who you are. I get to wait for for, to get to know you first. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's extremely important because uh, you never know who's going to help you, who's going to like uh, mentor you, who's going to like provide something that you don't have, either uh, words of encouragement or as money or whatever. So uh, it helps me to keep a mind open to anybody, regardless of who they come and what they've been through. And I think it's super important to have that diversity just to be able to grow in a better way. Mm-hmm. Even personally and, and the company, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So are you ready for the last question? Of course. <laughs> what are you most hopeful or optimistic about? Well, I'm hopeful for a better future for, for artists. Uh, I can say that it's, it's not easy right now. And I see great talent and I know I won't be able to change a lot of the problems I see in the industry and I know I won't be able to help everybody that I want to help but um, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to start a conversation towards a better future for, for many artists uh, there's this Netflix show about the history of Spotify and if you saw it it's called The Playlist you should watch it um, in the last episode it was very inspiring because uh, it's basically an, an episode where artists take a stand for what is right them they go up to the to the senate and congress and you know and, and things happen um i don't know if we'll get there <laughs> but at least i think we have to start having conversations uh i'm hopeful things are happening with like Ticketmaster, like the senate hearings this week with taylor so, swift yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, analogies <laughs> no but they, they go to the senate and hopefully all these things that have been broken for so long in the industry they have kept great talent and artists uh, and develop and unseen and unheard uh, can change. And personally, I think uh, I want to just be part of the conversation and, and 
keep doing what I love, my music, inspire people. That's what I love to do the most. And, and, and that's my, my goal and what I'm hopeful for and I'm working for. Amazing. Where can people uh, find you? Well, uh, my website, MaximoMusic.com. Socials are Maximo. Everything's Maximo <laughs> with two X's. Yeah. Um, so and... it's M-A-X-X-I-M-O. Yeah. And my company is Maximal. With a, it's kind of like my name, but an A-L at the end. Well, thank you so much, Maximo. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review.